Welcome to the Med Evidence Monday Minute with Dr. Michael Corrin and Kevin Gettings of WSOS 103.9 St. Augustine Radio. And there's a classic song for the ages, the great Ray Charles, who spent a good deal of time right here in St. Augustine at the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind, so we can claim him as our own. So speaking of claiming as our own, Dr. Michael Corrin joins me live here on the studio line, and he joins us each and every Monday morning. Of course, he is a medical doctor, a cardiologist, and a research scientist as well. And also, he runs the show at Encore Docs, giving people an opportunity to participate in clinical research trials right here in St. Augustine. Learn more by going to EncoreDocs.com, E-N-C-O-R-E, EncoreDocs.com. And I'll give you the phone number here in just a little bit. Dr. Corin, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Doing well. We were talking earlier today about Thanksgiving and a study in the New York Times over the weekend that says the average American will consume over 7,000 calories in one meal on Thursday. That points to a lot of issues, doesn't it? Yeah, it's pretty impressive <laughs> when you think about it. But yes, it does. And um, it's funny you mention that because I, I did a consulting gig this, this past week on something called biomarkers, hmm. and um, certainly one's weight is considered a biomarker. It might be an uh, interesting discussion to dig into a little bit. Yeah, so a, a biomarker would be, hey, if we have these existing issues, we could be at risk for other problems, right? Absolutely. So, you know, in medicine, we like to create complicated words to, to dazzle and confuse people. <laughs> Do a darn good but, uh, job, too, by the way. Congratulations. <laughs> But a biomarker is actually a pretty simple concept, which is bio, meaning something that is in biology, and typically that means some sort of physiological thing that we can measure, and marker means it is proof of something. So biomarker is some typically blood test or something that we can recognize biologically that indicates something else. So uh, we were talking this week about these new biomarkers for congestive heart failure. And the concept there is, is there any way to predict who's going to end up in the hospital with congestive heart failure or who has a worse prognosis with congestive heart failure? And there's a lot of research going on in that, and we're conducting some of that research. So people that have congestive heart failure may want to give us a call, and we can help evaluate some of these biomarkers that get pretty sophisticated and let people know what their prognosis is. And we we do that work all the time. But more broadly, uh, biomarkers are also things that are easily measurable. And actually, I made this point during my consulting call, which is that, you know, for a biomarker that, that's good, it has to be a lot better than what my mom would come up with just based on simple observation. And I said, you know, two simple biomarkers are your weight and your age. And just by looking at somebody's weight, uh, you don't even have to measure it. Obviously, measuring it makes it a little more precise. But you look at somebody's weight, and you can make some pretty reasonable assumptions about their health. And, of course, if you look at somebody's age, you can make some reasonable assumptions about their life expectancy and other elements and diseases they may be encountering. So biomarkers to be good in medicine have to be way, way, way more insightful than what the average person can observe. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and, of course, you can use some of that data, right, when doing some of these clinical trials, for example, because you might identify people with certain conditions who could benefit from certain new medicines. Exactly, exactly. And, that, and that's a big part of our work. So in, in a general sense, uh, I would encourage people to, that have a particular disease 
to explore whether or not there are certain parameters or certain blood tests or certain things that we can measure that would truly help us understand their risk. And we're doing that in a lot of different ways. We're doing that with blood tests that we uh, obtain for people with congestive heart failure and diabetes and obesity. And we're also doing it uh, using devices, for example, uh, different apps on your watch that can give us indications that you're in trouble because of atrial fibrillation or other things. So uh, technology, both through blood tests and through devices, has has just become you know, a tremendous resource for us. And we're constantly making these things better, and we're constantly doing studies to help us understand how to make these things better. So while we do a lot of work with uh, drugs and vaccines, we also do a lot of work on just making diagnostic medicine much better. And sometimes that's quite appealing for patients to get involved in those type of studies. Yeah, I think so often we think of clinical trials research. We're going to you know, have to give blood. It's going to involve taking some sort of vaccine or an injection of some kind. And indeed, that's not the case all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then, I guess, moving into the Thanksgiving theme uh, about the 7,000 calories, that is a possible source of healthcare complications, let's face it. Um, right. It's funny, uh, I, obviously, having worked in acute care medicine for many, many, many years, Thanksgiving Day tends to be quiet until you know, late at night and then early the next day when all the heart attacks come in <laughs> because of overindulgence. Right. And, 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 and also, the other thing that happens is that people will often put off taking care of something. So they may have some, you know, feeling of chest pain or some other impending symptom, and they say, okay, I have Thanksgiving, i got to go hang out with the family. And uh, they, they try to put it off, and then, of course, when they eventually do present to the emergency room, it's way worse than it would have been if we took care of it early. Interesting. So that's maybe some general advice is, uh, you know, one, be careful about overindulgence. Uh, two, if you have something that's feeling not quite right, Check it out early. Don't wait because it's often way worse and much more disruptive, disruptive by the way, if you wait and, and disrupt the whole family event because you didn't take care of something that was impending on Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, say is that the question has come up a lot. I've got this question about how to protect yourself from viral illnesses and other infectious diseases in these family gatherings. And my, my number one source of advice is that if you feel at all sick, don't go. It's, I know it's hard to, to do that, but um, you're only potentially endangering other people if you're not feeling ill. And sometimes just uh, saying, hey, I'm just not feeling well. Let me take it by phone and, and be part of it. But uh, I'm not going to expose other people to what I may have. And so that's probably the most important piece of advice. And, of course, um, if you do get exposed, then your best protection is to be vaccinated. And there's a lot of different viruses going around in our community right now. The, the ER has been absolutely flooded with influenza cases. And the people who are the sickest are the people who are not vaccinated. So preparing yourself by making sure you're up to date with your COVID booster, making sure you got your flu vaccine, uh, maybe uh, giving us a call about the RSV vaccine, which is another really nasty virus. These are things that you can do to protect yourself and your family. I know you're busy, Dr. Corman, but before we let you go, a quick question. Say you went out and you said, hey, I'm going to be around a lot of people this weekend or starting on Thursday. I go and get my flu shot today. Is it enough time to get the, you know, the protection from it between now and Thursday? It, it's not optimal, but it gives you some protection. Okay. So typically it takes about five days to get significant protection. But um, there is a little bit of protection by virtue of the fact that you've been exposed to the antigen a couple of days earlier so that your body is at least starting to its immune response. 
but ideally that should be five or ten days before your exposure. And although grandma's stuffing is really good, it really doesn't have any protection against the flu. <laughs> uh, well, we've been asked to study that, but I've, I've, I've turned that down because grandma wanted too much money for her formula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grandma's quite the negotiator. Oh, yeah. Well, Dr. Michael Korn, once again with Encore Docs, you can learn about clinical trials on all these sort of issues that we've been talking about and that we continue to speak about on Monday mornings. There's some great opportunities for you to participate and to be on the cutting edge of medicine and to benefit personally and also to get some of the best health care you'll ever have. I have been a participant in these studies. Karen on our team has been. Others have as well. Highly recommend the experience. You can do it right there at the Whetstone Building here in St. Augustine near Flagler Hospital. All you have to do is call 904-730-0166, 904-730-0166. And I know you as you're driving, it's hard to remember phone numbers, but remember the website, EncoreDocs.com, EncoreDocs.com. Speaking of Thanksgiving and being thankful, Dr. Corn, we are thankful for our relationship with you, and thanks for joining us on these Monday morning calls. We appreciate you. And, and, and thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it, and happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. 